What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey McLeary. So today is the first Sunday in the NFL season. Week one of the NFL season kicked off on Thursday. The Detroit Lions got a big win over the Chiefs. I'll talk about that whenever I do my week one recap, which will probably be Tuesday or Wednesday of this week. But in this episode, I want to give a breakdown of my studs versus duds for fantasy football this year. And then I also want to do another segment called Breakout versus Fakeout. So studs versus duds is going to be a segment based on average draft position, and how I think players are going to perform this year. For breakout versus fakeout, it's fantasy football-wise, but also real-life-wise as well, if I think a player is going to break out this year or fake out, especially when people consider these players to be breakout players this year, I'm going to give you my thoughts on whether or not I think they're actually going to break out or they're going to be a fakeout player and not break out like most people think they will. So let's start off with studs versus duds. Jonathan Taylor, I see him as a dud based on where he's getting drafted. And if you look at it, he's out for at least the first four games of the season, But I don't think he's going to play at all this season. He's out for at least the first four. And even if he does play, how game ready will he be when he gets back? Because it's going to take him some time to ramp up and get back to game ready form. And who knows where the Colts will be in the standings at that point when he is ready to play. I think he ends up sitting out the whole season. Could be a hot take, but that's how I feel about the Jonathan Taylor situation. He wanted to be traded. The Colts didn't get an offer that they were a fan of. And he ends up staying with the Colts now. Cam Akers. I see him as a stud. I see Akers going for 1,150 rushing yards and 12 total touchdowns in the season. Would be a big breakout year for him, but I believe in him, and I think he's going to have a great season. I'll talk about him when I get to the next segment as well. Aaron Jones. I think he's going to have a good year, but I'm going to go with Dud here because I think by the end of the season, A.J. Dillon ends up being the lead back by, let's say, week seven or eight. I think A.J. Dillon takes the majority of the touches by that point in the season. Aaron Jones has better hands than A.J. Dillon, so he'll still be involved in the pass-catching game. Still a very talented back. But I think A.J. Dillon ends up being the leader in that backfield by the end of the year. Damian Pierce. I'm in the middle of stud and dud here. I don't think he becomes an RB1. But I think he's going to have similar numbers to what he did last year. Which is good enough to be an RB2. Quinton Johnston. I see him as a stud based on where he's getting drafted. And how I think he's going to play this year. He's going to have to share some targets with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. But both of those guys have had their fair share of injuries. And I expect Johnston to make an immediate impact right away with the speed and his big playmaking ability. He was great for TCU last year, and hopefully he adds to that Chargers offense. He's a guy to keep your eye on to be a stud this year in fantasy football. Tank Dell, Rasheed Rice, Jalen Hyatt, all three guys are late draft picks in fantasy football. You can get them in your last round or even in the waiver wire probably. But I think they all have stud potential. And I know fantasy football drafts are over with, so these three guys could be on your waiver wire. Rasheed Rice caught a touchdown on Thursday night, like I predicted he would. And Tank Dell and Jalen Hyatt both add a lot of speed to the Giants and Texans offenses. So I think those two guys, like Rasheed Rice, can be breakout players and stud potential picks to get on your waiver wire or if you drafted them late in your fantasy football drafts. I think all three will shine in their respective offenses this year. Next up is Buccaneers running back Rashad White, who I think is going to be a stud this year. I'm going to give reasoning on that later on in the next segment. But I think Rashad White is going to be a stud this year in fantasy football. Kenneth Walker, I'm going to go with Dud. I think he could have a good season. Maybe, let's say, 1,050 rushing yards and nine touchdowns. But I don't think he's going to replicate what he did last season for two reasons. He has been battling a groin injury, and the Seattle Seahawks also drafted a running back in the second round, Zach Chabonet, who I think is going to steal some touches from him. So I'm going to go dud on Kenneth Walker based on where he's drafted. I still think he has a good season. Still think he ends up with, let's say, nine touchdowns. But I don't think he's going to be an RB1 in fantasy football, even though he wasn't drafted to be an RB1, was drafted in the third or fourth round in most drafts. I think he's going to lose some touches to Zach Chabonet. I don't think he ends up being an RB1 as a fantasy football, so I'm going to go with Dud here. I think he's a good player, but I don't think he's going to put up crazy numbers like he did last season. Najee Harris, I'm going to go stud here. He finished last season on a better note, but was not the top fantasy back last year like most people draft him to be because he was a first-round pick at fantasy football last year. I drafted him very high in a few of my drafts, and it didn't really work out. But I think he's going to have a bounce-back year like Saquon Barkley did last season. I think Najee Harris is going to go for 1,250 yards on the ground and 10 touchdowns. If you look at Saquon Barkley two years ago, he really struggled in the 2021 season. Then in 2022, expectations were lower on him, and he had a big bounce back year. Najee Harris, last year struggled. Expectations now were lower on him in this season. I think he has a bounce back year and goes for 1,250 yards on the ground. Antonio Gibson, I'm going to go dud here, but I still think he can add value in pass-catching situations. I think by the end of the season... Brian Robinson owns the backfield completely and is the bell cow in that commander's offense. DJ Moore, I'm going to go stud here. 
He had 63 catches for 888 yards and seven touchdowns last year. And he did that with Carolina when he didn't really have a steady quarterback. He did that with Baker Mayfield, Sam Donald, and P.J. Walker as his quarterbacks. So I expect him this year to have a better year than he did last year. Even though he had a good year last year, I think he's going to do better this year now that he's the wide receiver one in the Bears offense. And hopefully Justin Fields can find him and take a step up in his passing game this season. Next up is Miles Sanders, who I think is a dud. He was fifth in rushing yards in the NFL last season with 1,260 rushing yards, also adding in 11 touchdowns on the ground. But he did that behind the best offensive line in the league in the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line and was in just about the best offense in the NFL as well. The Eagles were great offensive line-wise and also skilled players-wise. And offensively overall, they put up heavy numbers last year. He did that with the best offensive line and best offense in the NFL. But I don't think he's going to replicate that this year. I don't think he's going to put up the same production this season with Carolina, especially with all the Eagles' offensive line and all the weapons they had around him. Devon A-Chain, running back for the Miami Dolphins, rookie. I think he's going to be a stud. I think he ends up taking over the Dolphins' backfield and dominates in the pass game. It might take some time. He's going to probably be out in today's game against the Los Angeles Chargers. But I think by, let's say, week six, seven, eight, I think he ends up taking over that backfield. Miami also has a couple injury-prone backs. Jeff Wilson, Raheem Ostert, two guys that are good backs, but they also have had their fair share of injuries. So I think Devon A-Chain ends up being the lead back in that system. And if you look at it, he brings a lot of speed to that Dolphins offense that already has great playmakers, and he's going to make that offense even more dangerous with his 4-3-40-yard dash speed. I see a stat line of, let's say, 675 rushing yards, 325 receiving yards, and five total touchdowns this season. Juju Smith-Schuster, I'm going to go with Dud. I worry about his knee injury and whether or not he can stay healthy this season. Very talented receiver. I'm a big fan of him. But who knows if he's going to be able to play the whole season. I do worry about Juju. He's a very talented receiver. He's a great wide receiver, too, for the Patriots. He's not really a wide receiver one, so I don't think he's going to put up crazy numbers, even though he probably is the most talented receiver in the Patriots. But I don't think he's going to be able to stay healthy the whole season with that knee injury, unfortunately. I do hope he's able to stay healthy. I'm a big fan of Juju. Always liked him since his days in the Steelers. But the injuries are obviously a concern. Jahan Dotson, I'm going to go stud here. Last season, he had 35 catches for 523 yards and seven touchdowns. I think he's going to get himself in the 55 to 60 reception range this year with, let's say, 750 yards and six touchdowns. I think Sam Howell is going to impress this season. Last season, he only played one game, started one game at the end of the season, really held his own, was good with his legs and running the ball. I think this year he's going to be in a screw it, let's ear it out type of offense, and I think it's going to work to his favor. I think he's going to throw 25 touchdowns with 14 picks, with 3,250 passing yards, 440 rushing yards, and five rushing touchdowns. I think he's going to be slinging it around, and I think he's going to be taking deep shots down the field, which does put you at more risk for interceptions, but also at the same time, it can work out when you have two great receivers like Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson. Jahan Dotson was very touchdown dependent last year, but I think he's going to get himself more receptions this season and get more yards. You have two good receivers there in McLaurin and Dotson, and obviously a very good back in Brian Robinson and a talented pass-catching back in Antonio Gibson. I think that offense is going to be solid and put up some numbers. I do think the commanders, though, do struggle overall this season. And that's record-wise. I think they're going to struggle record-wise this season. Next up is James Conner, who I see as a dud this year. Even if he can help Arizona move the ball, it will be hard to get 1,000 yards from scrimmage this year with that offense. He's not going to be able to put up the touchdowns like he has the last couple seasons with this offense. Considering Kyler Murray's out at least the first four games, and even if Kyler Murray's there, that offense still is going to be on the lesser side in the NFL for points total per week. And if you look at it, you have Marquise Brown and James Conner, really only two threats on offense. And a quarterback right now, starting week one, is Josh Dobbs. I think Clayton Toon should be the starter there. I think he's a better quarterback, and I think he's a better project for them to try to build around for the future. I think they're going to have a top pick in this upcoming draft in 2024. I think they're going to take Caleb Williams. So no matter who starts for Arizona this year, I think it's going to be a new quarterback by week one of next season. But for James Conner, I think it's going to be a struggle for him to be able to put up the points he has the last couple seasons, especially two years ago when he was a really good fantasy running back. He's drafted to be an RB2 in fantasy football. I don't think he's going to be that this season. Maybe on the flex side, RB3 range. Probably a solid bench option. Jamal Williams, I think he's going to be a stud. He's a point-per-reception machine, and he's going to be the lead back for the Saints until Alvin Kamara comes back in week four. And even when Kamara does come back, I think Jamal Williams is still going to have value in fantasy football as, let's say, a flex. Right now he's more of an RB2, but he's going to have very good value as a flex because of his ability to catch out of the backfield. And last season was one of the best goal line running backs in the NFL in that Detroit Lions offense. We'll see what he does in the Saints offense this year, but I see him as a stud, especially considering where he's drafted late in drafts. Drake London, 
I think he's going to be a stud this year. Last season, 72 catches for 866 yards and four touchdowns as a rookie. And I expect him to take a bigger step up this year. I think he indeed does break out this season and adds to his touchdown total. And maybe for a stat line of, let's say, 80 catches for 950 yards and seven touchdowns. And I think that Atlanta offense is going to be better this year. I think it's going to run through B. John Robinson. And that could take away some touchdown opportunities for Drake London in the red zone. But I think that offense is going to put up some points this year. And I expect the Atlanta Falcons to win that division. So now I'm going to move on to my second segment, and that is breakout versus fakeout. And I explained at the beginning, a lot of players people looking at as a breakout candidate for this upcoming season. So I'm going to give a breakdown of all of those players and let you know whether or not I think they're going to be a breakout player like people expect, or if I see them as a fakeout player, meaning a player that is expected to break out, but I see them faking you out and not breaking out like people expect them to this upcoming season. So let's start out with Traylon Burks. I think he's going to be a breakout player this year. Last season in 11 games, 33 catches of 444 yards and a touchdown. I like him to take a step up this year. With DeAndre Hopkins in that offense, the cornerback one for the other team is going to be going up against Hopkins. And that means Traylon Burks will probably have the CB2 against him. So with that being said, I think the upside and potential is there with Traylon Burks. And I see a good opportunity for him to break out and go off this upcoming season. He's 6'3", 225, and I see similarities to Des Bryant when I was watching his film from last season. He was just a rookie last year, so it's tough to come into the NFL as a rookie receiver, especially in an offense that runs the ball a ton. That offense is centered around Derrick Henry running the ball because Ryan Tannehill isn't slinging it 35, 40 times a game like some other quarterbacks in the NFL. But I expect Burks to get more targets this year and maybe end up with, let's say, 65 catches for 775 yards and seven touchdowns. I see Traylon Burks as a breakout play this season. Next up is Jahan Dotson who I mentioned in the last segment to be a stud based on where he's drafted. And the same goes here. I'm going to go breakout on Jahan Dotson. Last season was a big touchdown score for Washington. 33 catches of 523 yards and seven touchdowns. I expect the yards and receptions to go up, similar to how I think Christian Watson's going to do this season. I think his yards and receptions will go up. But I think the touchdowns may not go up because he's going to get more targets and obviously more receiving yards, but I don't see him putting up the same touchdown total like last season. Maybe six or seven touchdowns this year for Dotson. I don't see him putting up 10 to 11. But I expect him to put up more receptions and yards. So I'm going to go 55 catches for 725 yards and six touchdowns this season for Jahan Dotson. As a Christian Watson, I see him as a breakout. 41 catches for 611 yards and seven touchdowns last season as a rookie. I don't expect the touchdowns to go up, but I expect the receptions to. Maybe 66 catches for 935 yards and six touchdowns. He is out week one, so it's obviously one less game for him to put up numbers. But I think he could be a breakout candidate this year. So I'm going to go breakout on Watson. Next up is Alexander Madison, who I see as a fakeout player for this upcoming season. I'm not 100% sure he can be a lead back. That's the issue. He looked good as a backup running back to Dalvin Cook over the years. It was a good replacement for him when Dalvin Cook was out. But now the run game is completely in his hands. And I don't really see him being a huge breakout player. As I said, he did put up good numbers as a replacement to Dalvin Cook. But now the offense is in his hands. Now it's on him to put up numbers that Delvin Cook did in that offense for the last few years. And I don't really see him doing that. I don't see him being what Delvin Cook was to that offense. Maybe he could be a solid RB3 flex option in fantasy football, but I don't see him being a breakout candidate to be an RB1 or an RB2 in fantasy football and bring the same production that Delvin Cook did. I mean, now it is in his hands to do that, but I don't see him being what Delvin Cook was to that offense. Next up is Drake London, who I mentioned already to be a stud. I was in the middle of being a breakout and fakeout player here for Drake London, but then I thought about it. I saw the Falcons' depth chart and realized they have no option in that offense but to make Drake London a breakout player. If they want to make the playoffs and win some games this year, let's say 8, 9, 10 games to try to win that division, I think 9 probably wins that division. I do have Atlanta at 10 wins. But if they want to make the playoffs, Drake London has to be what he was last year, but even more. And I expect him to take a step up. Desmond Ritter last season had two touchdowns, no picks in four games. I expect him to have... A better season passing the ball. He didn't really do too much in those four games. Didn't make any mistakes. Part of scoring touchdowns sometimes is taking risks, throwing it deep, seeing what you have open. And there is risk in getting you know passes intercepted. But at the same time, you have to take that risk. He didn't really take many risks last year, Desmond Ritter. I expect him to take more risks. And I expect that offense to have better help in the pass game with Bijan Robinson opening up that offense with his game-breaking ability. The defense is going to have to keep themselves on their toes, trying to pay attention to Robinson, and that'll help out Desmond Ritter in the pass game. I think they have to use play action to their advantage and try to air it out, see what's open. 
Next up is George Pickens, who I expect to be a breakout player this year. Last season, 52 catches for 801 yards and four touchdowns. Even though Deontay Johnson will still get a ton of targets, I think Pickens ends up being the wide receiver one in this offense. I think he takes a step up, and I think he makes big plays this season for Kenny Pickett. I'm going to go 65 catches for 1,085 yards and eight touchdowns this year for George Pickens. I expect him to be a great breakout candidate in fantasy football and, honestly, in the NFL in general. I think he's going to be one of the better receivers in the NFL this season. He's a wide receiver two slash three where he's getting drafted in fantasy football. I think he's going to be between the wide receiver one to two range, like wide receiver one and a half range. Probably be closer to the wide receiver two range in fantasy football, but I think he'll be that wide receiver one in that offense for Pittsburgh. Next up is Irv Smith, who not many people are talking about. He's now with the Cincinnati Bengals, was with the Vikings over the last few seasons, did suffer some injuries there, so he never really got an opportunity to break out. But Irv Smith, I think he's going to be a breakout candidate this season. When he last played in 2020, he had 365 yards and five touchdowns. But I think he's capable of a career year with Joe Burrow. If he can stay healthy, I see him going for 450 yards and six touchdowns this season. That offense is going to score a lot of points. They're going to have a lot of opportunities in the red zone. And I think Irv Smith can be a breakout player for them. Next up is J.K. Dobbins, who I see as a fake out. I think he's going to be an RB3 flex option. I don't see him as an RB2 in fantasy football. And another issue with Dobbins is that he's really struggled to stay healthy. And that's unfortunate, obviously, considering that offense does need him healthy. But they do also have a lot of hands to feed in that backfield. Lamar Jackson runs the ball a lot. Gus Edwards is a solid backup option. And they also added in Melvin Gordon, who is a little bit older, but a good veteran back, who can still give you some production in limited carries. So I'm going to go fake out here on J.K. Dobbins. Next up is Cam Akers, who I think is going to be a breakout player this year in fantasy football. And I'm going to give you my thoughts on him when I get to my hot takes in the next segment. So that's where you'll hear why I see him as a breakout into stud in fantasy football this season. The same goes for Rashad White. I see him as a breakout player this year in fantasy football. I will talk more about him when I get to the hot takes. Javante Williams, running back for the Denver Broncos. I see him as a fake out. He's coming back from a torn ACL. Played in four games last season, 47 carries at 204 yards. He was good in those four games, but I don't see him as a breakout back this season. Considering he's coming back from an injury, it's going to take him some time to really ramp things up again. And I don't think he's going to put up big numbers. He wasn't really an exceptional back in those four games. He was good in those four games, but wasn't exceptional. So I'm going to go fake out there on Javante Williams. Jerry Judy, another weapon in that Denver Broncos offense. I'm going to go fake out on Jerry Judy. He did finish last season hot, which is why some people are picking him to be a breakout player, potentially a wide receiver one in fantasy football. But he always has been inconsistent, and that's my issue with Jerry Judy. And it's hard to trust Russell Wilson as well, especially after last season. In the last six games last year, though, Russell Wilson and Jerry Judy combined for 37 receptions, 523 receiving yards, and three touchdowns. He did finish on a high note last season, but I don't think he puts up those same numbers in the first six games this season. He finished the last six games of last year hot, but I don't think he does the same exact thing in the first six games, let's say, this season. And as I mentioned, it's hard to trust Russell Wilson. So I'm going to go fake out on Jerry Judy. Maybe a flex wide receiver three option, but I don't see him as a wide receiver two like some other people see him. Some people see him potentially as a wide receiver one and a league winner for fantasy football players, but I don't really see that this season for Jerry Judy. I think he'll put up decent numbers. Maybe he's a wide receiver three flex option, but I don't see him as a wide receiver two or a wide receiver one. Next up is Brian Robinson, who I see as a breakout candidate this season in Washington's offense. He had just about 800 rushing yards last season in 12 games and really started to dominate the backfield in the last five games of last season with 435 rushing yards on 79 carries. I think by the end of the season, he's going to be dominating the backfield, as I said. I think he's going to get all the touches towards the end of the season, especially on the goal line. He's a stronger back than Antonio Gibson. For this season, I project Brian Robinson at 1,100 rushing yards and six rushing touchdowns on the season. Next up is James Cook, who I see as a middle of a breakout fakeout candidate. I think he's going to lose some goal line touches to Damian Harris, which is the reason I think he's not going to be a breakout candidate in fantasy football. But I think he's going to be a solid back. He'll be a solid RB1 in that Buffalo Bills offense. But I think losing goal line carries to Damian Harris is going to be an issue. I think Damian Harris will have six or seven rushing touchdowns this season, which will take away some touchdowns from James Cook in the red zone. So I think James Cook will be in the middle of a breakout, fakeout candidate. More like an RB3 in fantasy football rather than RB2. But I also don't see him as a bench option. I see him in the middle of RB2 and RB3. So more of like a flex option this season. Next up is Khalil Herbert, 
running back for the Chicago Bears. Last season, he had 731 rushing yards and four touchdowns on the ground. But I'm going to go fake out this year with him. I like him. I think he's a talented back. But I'm not 100% sure he can be the lead back on that team. I don't think he can take 25 carries a game for the entire season. He was splitting carries with David Montgomery over the last couple of years. And now he's supposed to be the lead back. Similar to Delvin Cook's situation in Minnesota. Montgomery and Delvin Cook were the two lead backs in Minnesota and Chicago. They both leave. And now their backups, Khalil Herbert and Alexander Madison, are expected to put up the numbers that those two guys did over the last few seasons in their respective offenses. But I don't think they're going to do that. So I'm going to go fake out here on Khalil Herbert. I think he's a good back. Can probably get five or six rushing touchdowns a season. But I don't see him as a huge breakout player in fantasy football this season. I think he could put up good numbers. I think that offense will be better this year than last, especially with adding DJ Moore and giving Justin Fields another receiver to throw to. But as I said, I'm going to go fake out here. And they also have a backup running back in Roshan Johnson and Dante Foreman, two guys that people are higher on this year. People do like Roshan Johnson in that backfield. So I'm going to go fake out on Khalil Herbert. And the last player I'm going to mention here in this segment is A.J. Dillon, who I see as a breakout player this year in fantasy football. I think he's going to take over Green Bay's backfield at some point, let's say week seven, week eight. And if you look at it, he's a great goal line back. He was last season. And I think he's going to put up better numbers this year, especially if he becomes that bell cow back in that offense. I think Aaron Jones will still get opportunities on the field, considering he's a very talented back and very good in the pass-catching game. But I think at the end of the day, I think A.J. Dillon will end up being the lead back for them by the midway point of the season. Dillon last season had 770 rushing yards and seven touchdowns on the ground. I think he's good for 1,000 to 25 rushing yards this season and 10 rushing touchdowns. So now I'm going to move on and talk about my hot takes. Starting off with the Los Angeles Rams, who I think if they're under 500 at the midway point of the season, I think they will trade the generational defensive lineman Aaron Donald. And my prediction is to an AFC contender like, let's say, Buffalo or Jacksonville. And if you look at it, Aaron Donald has contemplated retirement each of the last two seasons. He has an opt-out after this upcoming season. So he's going to opt out. And if he does end up playing next year, probably look for more money. So there's a chance the Rams will say, let's go in a different direction. Because we don't know if he's going to play another season. And even if he does, he's going to opt out and look for more money. And who knows what that team's going to look like at the midway point of the season. Especially with Cooper Cup out for the first four games. My 9-8 prediction for the Rams should be lowered to, let's say, 8-9. and nine, Especially with Cooper Cup being out the first four games. That's a big loss for them. Next up is the New York Giants. Who I think will end up with double-digit wins this season. I think the Giants have a surprise win in Week 6 over the Buffalo Bills. Mike Hurley, the sports guru, and I have talked about this game a ton over the last few months. And he thinks Buffalo is going to beat the Giants handedly. But I think the Giants will win that game. And that's my surprise win for the Giants this season. Who I think are going to end up with double-digit wins, as I said. Next up is Mac Jones. Who I think is going to have an improved season this year from last year. But I think the Patriots will struggle in the division. That's the issue. I think the Patriots missed the playoffs. I had them at 8-9. and nine. I originally had them at 7-10, and 10, but I improved it to 8-9. and nine. But with that division, it's going to be tough for the Patriots to get out of it and make the playoffs. But I do think Mac Jones will have a better year. My prediction for a Mac Jones stat line is a 62% completion percentage, 3,455 passing yards, 24 passing touchdowns, and 12 picks. The issue here, though, with the Patriots is that last season they really struggled against playoff teams as they have now for each of the last three years. And the division got even tougher with Miami getting better and the Jets getting better. So if you look at the Patriots' schedule, it's going to be tough for them to make the playoffs. But one positive for the Patriots to build on this year is that I think Bill O'Brien, as the offense coordinator, will help Mac Jones get back on track. Like Daniel Jones got back on track last season with Brian Dable and Mike Kafka, I think Mac Jones will be better this season than he was last year and be able to look like the Mac Jones from a couple seasons ago. But the Patriots, as I said, are in a tough division. And the Patriots are 4-15 versus playoff teams the last three seasons. Four wins and 15 losses. So that's obviously an issue. That's an issue there. Next up is Aaron Rodgers, who I think is going to recover from last season and all of his struggles in Green Bay and find a way to put up 4,675 passing yards, 35 passing touchdowns, and 12 picks. Now he has more help around him, has better weapons than he did last year in Green Bay with Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall in the backfield, Miko Hodman at wide receiver, with Garrett Wilson at receiver as well, and Alan Lazard. That offense has better weapons now than what he was dealing with last year in Green Bay. So I think he's going to recover and have a better year. Last year, he had a career low in passing yards at 270 passing yards per game and also had a career low in passer rating, 91.1. I think he's going to be better this year. And I think the Jets will be a playoff team, even though I have them at 10 and 7. I have them eking out a playoff berth over the Los Angeles Chargers, who I have at 10 and 7 as well. My next hot take is about Geno Smith, who I have regressing this season. And I also have the Seattle Seahawks regressing as well. Even if it's by a game and they only lose 
one more game this than they did last year, that means they missed the playoffs because last year they were 9-8 and eight and barely made the playoffs. If they go 8-9, they're not making the playoffs. So I have the Seahawks regressing this season. And I also have Geno Smith regressing as well because I don't think he's going to be able to replicate what he did last year. And the numbers I have from him are still solid, but it's not the numbers he put up last season with 30 passing touchdowns and a 70% completion percentage. I don't think he does that this year. I'm going to go a 64% completion percentage for Geno Smith, 25 passing touchdowns, and let's say 11 interceptions. Next up, I'm going to talk about the Miami Dolphins. And I'm going to give a hot take about their backfield. And even though I've mentioned now Devon A-Chain as a guy to keep your eye on, a guy that I think is going to be very good in that backfield, Miami was interested in trading for Jonathan Taylor until, obviously, the Colts asked to trade Jalen Waddle. They said no, and that's when trade talks ended. But they did want Jonathan Taylor at one point. And they were also interested in Devin Cook at some point as well in the offseason. So my crazy hot take here is that the Dolphins are going to trade for a top back midway through this season. And the two backs I'm going to mention are Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara. And as I said, they did want Jonathan Taylor at some point, so they were looking to add to that backfield. And Derrick Henry is a free agent after this upcoming season, and Alvin Kamara also has an opt-out after this season's over. So there is a chance that Alvin Kamara and Derrick Henry are both in their last seasons with their respective teams. So we'll see. Maybe there's a chance that Alvin Kamara is traded midseason. I think that's less of a likelihood. I think Alvin Kamara... Being on the Saints, I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think that offense is going to be solid enough to win, let's say, nine games and make a wild card spot. So I don't think they're going to go out and trade Alvin Kamara. But Derrick Henry on the Titans, I think Tennessee is going to struggle this year and miss the playoffs. I think there is a chance they go out and trade Derrick Henry. And I think the Miami Dolphins would be a good landing spot for him. So in my next episode, I'm going to give a whole preview of this upcoming season for the Giants. But I wanted to give my thoughts on Daniel Jones here in this hot take segment because my stat line for Daniel Jones is definitely going to be considered a hot take to most people. And so that's why I figured this is a good time to throw it out there. I have Daniel Jones throwing for 32 passing touchdowns, 4,080 passing yards, averaging just about 240 passing yards per game, with a 66% completion percentage, with 555 rushing yards and six rushing touchdowns. I think Daniel Jones is going to have a career year this season with all the weapons the Giants added in. And I'll give more of a reason why in my next episode, as I said, in my 2023 Giants season preview. But I think Daniel Jones is in line for a big season. He got his payday, four years, $160 million, and a lot of people consider that an overpay. But I think Daniel Jones is going to earn that money this season and prove other people wrong when people are saying Daniel Jones got overpaid and he's not worth that. I see a big year this year for Daniel Jones. So another hot take I have is that Rashad White will be a breakout star this year in the NFL. Last season, he had 129 carries for 481 rushing yards, 3.7 yards per carry with a rushing touchdown, also adding in 50 catches for 290 yards and two touchdown receptions. One thing about Rashad White is that he's a great pass catcher. I think that's going to help him in this Bucks offense. And that's why I tried to target him in every draft I had. I wanted Rashad White because I think he's going to have a really big year this year. I see 1,100 rushing yards, eight rushing touchdowns, 70 catches for 500 yards and two touchdowns in the year as well. So for a total of 1,600 total yards from scrimmage and 10 total touchdowns, I think he's going to be a breakout star this year for that Bucs offense. And even though I think the Bucs will struggle this year record-wise, I don't think they're going to win many games, I think the offense will maybe be able to score some points. Considering you have Rashad White at running back, who I think is going to have a really good year, so that opens up the pass game. And you still have two very good receivers in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And even though Bacon Mayfield isn't the best quarterback and probably will throw a good amount of interceptions just trying to air it out to those two guys, I think he's capable of, let's say, 25, 26 passing touchdowns and 15 interceptions. That's a crazy stat line, but I think he's going to be airing it out, trying to find those two guys deep. And at the end of the day, there could be a lot of risk, but a good amount of reward as well if he's airing it out and just saying, hey, let's see what Mike Evans can do on this 60-yard pass. Baker Mayfield does have a very good arm, but he's not been great with decision-making in his career. Next up is Cam Akers, who I think will have a very good year as well. Despite all of the turmoil last season between him and the Rams, and there's a lot of question marks about whether or not he would play, he balled out at the end of the season. In his last six games, 512 rushing yards, six rushing touchdowns, and 11 catches for 99 yards. Yes, a lot of that came in garbage games when they were done at the end of the season and no chance to make the playoffs, but I think he's going to have a very good year. I think he's going to carry the momentum into this season. I see him going for 1,215 rushing yards and 12 rushing touchdowns. So 12-15 on the ground rushing yards-wise and 12 total touchdowns. I think he's going to have a very good year, and I think he's going to be a breakout candidate this season for that Rams offense. I believe in him, and even though a lot of people consider those six games to be a fluke considering the Rams are out of the playoffs and they were just running the ball considering they had no quarterback with Matt Stafford out, 
I think he's going to be good this year. I believe in Cam Akers. Tua Tagovailoa. I have him as a dark horse MVP candidate. And the same goes for Daniel Jones. Tua's been a very good quarterback when he's been healthy. He's a 618 win percentage when he plays in the regular season. With a 94.9 passer rating. Which is very good. And I think the Dolphins are going to have a very good year. If Tua Tagovailoa can find a way to stay healthy, the Dolphins are going to be a very good team. He's going to put up big numbers. And that's why I see him as a dark horse MVP candidate. I said in my last episode, right before Thursday Night Football, that I think he was capable of 35 passing touchdowns this season, and I stand by that. Next up is Jacksonville, who I am making it to at least the AFC Championship. In my predictions before Thursday Night Football, I said Jacksonville is going to be a very dangerous team this season to watch out for them, and I have them making it to the AFC Championship. Not many people are going to believe in them enough to do that. People probably think they're still a year away, but I think that offense is ready to roll, and I think that defense is going to be even better this upcoming season. They improved last year, and I think they'll be better this season. As for some teams I'm missing the playoffs, one of them includes a team that's already 1-0, the Detroit Lions. In these hot takes I made before the season began, I had the Lions missing the playoffs in my win-loss record predictions from Thursday, and I'm going to stay with that. I may change some wins and losses for some teams at the end of the episode. I'll tell you if I'm going to add a win or a loss to a team's record, but I'm not going to change any of my playoff teams. My playoff team's going to be set, and they're going to stay where they're at. So I think the Lions will miss the playoffs. I said that before the season began, so I'm going to stay with that pick for now. Two other teams I'm missing the playoffs that some people consider to be really good playoff teams and potential dark horses. The Los Angeles Chargers and the Seattle Seahawks. I think the Chargers will miss the playoffs by a hair. I think they'll be right there at 10-7, and 7, be tied with the Jets for the last wildcard spot with both teams being 10-7, and 7, but I have the Jets winning the tiebreaker over them and making the playoffs. So I have the Chargers just barely missing the playoffs. As for the Seahawks, I think they take a step back this year. I have them missing the playoffs and going 8-9. and nine. So I'm going to stay by that prediction as well. I think the Chiefs lose in the divisional round. And this has nothing to do with the Thursday night loss. They didn't have Chris Jones. They didn't have Travis Kelsey. Either way, a loss is a loss no matter who you have in the field. But with those two guys in the field, most people would consider them still the Super Bowl favorite to win the Super Bowl this year. But the way I feel is, I think the Chiefs are going to lose in the divisional round this season. In my predictions from Thursday, before the season began, I had them losing after their first round bye. I had them making a first round bye and then losing in the divisional round. And I'm going to stay by that pick. I think the Chiefs lose by the divisional round and don't advance past that. I think they get a first-round bye, but I don't have them making a deep run. As for who I think is going to be the best offense in the NFL, I'm going to go with Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville will have the best offense in the NFL. Adding in Calvin Ridley to an offense that was already electric last season with Travis Etienne, Trevor Lawrence, and Evan Ingram, and Zay Jones, and they add in a top receiver like Calvin Ridley, I think they're going to be really good. I think they're going to be the best offense in the NFL. Next up, I have the Dolphins, Ravens, Bengals, and Eagles rounding out the top five offenses in scoring per game this season in the NFL. Maybe a hot take to some people hearing Jacksonville being the best offense, but I think they're on the rise, and that's why I'm going to go with them as the number one offense in the NFL. And while I'm talking about Jacksonville already, I'm going to mention this. Jacksonville and the New York Giants are my two biggest and the best two Super Bowl dark horse contenders in my eyes. The Giants in the NFC, Jacksonville in the AFC. Those are my two biggest dark horse teams that I could potentially see making a deep run in the playoffs. I have both of them making it to the NFC and AFC championships in my predictions. Both of them losing, though, in those games. But I think both of them are very capable of making it far. And as I said on Thursday, I had a prediction with the Dolphins winning the Super Bowl over the 49ers. And then I had a different prediction, I believe, with the Bengals over the Eagles. And in that prediction, it was, you know, just switching it up, seeing what could be a potential different matchup and matchups I'd like to see. And also, if two attacking lower isn't healthy, the Dolphins are obviously not going to win the Super Bowl. So I did a different prediction as well, just for fun. But then I also did another prediction of a matchup I'd love to see in the Super Bowl, and that was Jacksonville and the Giants. And I'm going to stay by that. I think they're the two best Super Bowl dark horse contenders. Next up is a hot take about the 49ers. And it's that Sam Donald will step in at some point this season for Brock Purdy and lead the 49ers to the NFC Championship. At least that's what I hope. At the end of the day, that's what I hope. I hope Donald steps in and gets a chance because he'd be surrounded with the most talent and the best offensive system that he's ever had in his career. I think he would really thrive in this 49ers offense. I think Purdy, it's still his job to lose. He'll still be the starter. But let's say he struggled at some point. Sam Donald could get an opportunity to thrive in that system. So I'm going to go with Sam Donald getting a chance to step in for that 49ers team at some point this season. And even if he doesn't, and I mentioned this on Thursday, I still see the 49ers as a Super Bowl contender, whether it's Brock Purdy or Sam Donald at quarterback. That's because of how good their defense is and how good their weapons are on offense. So now to another hot take. I think the Bills are more likely to finish third in the AFC East than they are to win the division. I think Miami's the best team in this division. I have them winning it outright, 11-6. and But if you look at it, I also have the Jets and the Bills at 10-7. and 
I have the Dolphins at 11 and 6, the Jets and Bills at 10 and 7, and the Pages at 8 and 9. And in that case, the Jets and Bills both being 10 and 7, who would have the tiebreaker to have the higher wildcard spot? I sided with the Bills, but I think at the end of the day, I think the Bills, even if they have a higher wildcard spot, I think they end up losing in the wildcard round, no matter who they face. I have the Bills and the Chiefs both losing by the division round. I have the Bills losing in the first round, in the wildcard round, and I have the Chiefs losing in the division round. It's a hot take to most people to hear that, considering the Bills and the Chiefs are two Super contenders that most people like to make deep runs in the AFC. But I see both these teams losing early. So now I'm going to move on to talk about teams I expect to take a big step up. Which team is going to have the biggest improvement in wins from last year to this year? I'll start off with the Houston Texans. I have them winning three and a half more games this season than they did last year. They were a three-and-a-half win team last year, winning three games with a tie. I expect them to win seven games this year. So I have them making the biggest improvement in wins this season. Next up is the Falcons. I have them at 10-7. and seven. They won seven games last season. I have them adding in three more wins this year than they did last. The Jets, 7-10 last year. I have them adding in three more wins this season than they did last year. And then the Raiders. They won six games last season. I think they win three more games this year. I have them at 9-8. and eight which that's a team I'm going to change my record prediction for. I have them winning three more games this season, though, the Raiders. I have them going at 9-8. and eight. The Rams, I had them at 9-8 and eight at one point, but now I have them at 8-9. and nine. I have them winning three more games this year than they did last year, but I still have them missing the playoffs and being under 500, especially with Cooper Cup being up for four games. It is tough to bet on that team to win five games, nevertheless eight games. So it's a hard take still having them win eight games, but I think they're capable with Sean McVay at head coach and hopefully Matt Stafford staying healthy. I think the cable of winning eight games. So I'm going to go eight and nine there on the Rams, win three more games this year than last. Biggest regression. I have the Cowboys losing two more games this year than they did last year. So I have them winning two less games this season than last year. I still have them at 10 and seven and making the playoffs, but I think they lose two more games this year in the regular season than they did last. I have the Seahawks missing the playoffs. I have them at eight and nine and missing the playoffs by a game. And then the Buffalo Bills who a lot of people have being, let's say, 12-5 and five and winning the AFC East and making a run in the AFC playoffs. I was stuck between 10-7 and seven and 11-6 and six season for the Bills. I'm going to stay with the 10-7 and seven season, but I think they lose three more games this season in the regular season than they did last year in the regular season. So now it brings us to the question, what did I change in my predictions for my win-loss record predictions from Thursday? I didn't change much. My playoff teams are staying the same. My playoff matchups will stay the same. But I'm going to add a win to the Steelers predictions. I have them at 9-8, and eight, still missing the playoffs. And I'm going to have the Raiders at 9-8 and eight, rather than 10-7, and seven, where they had them at in Thursday. So I have the Raiders now at 9-8 and eight, rather than 10-7. And seven, and I have the Steelers at 9-8 and eight, rather than 8-9. And, and then there was one prediction I messed up. And that was I mixed up the records for the Eagles and the Niners. I originally had the Eagles at 11-6 and six on Thursday and the 49ers at 12-5. and five. But in my spreadsheet, I really had the Eagles at 12-5 and five and the 49ers at 11-6. and six. So I'm going to stay with the Eagles at 12-5, and five, and I'm going to stay with the 49ers at 11-6. and six. Even though I messed it up on Thursday, I'm going to switch back and have it be what I had on my spreadsheet. Eagles at 12-5 and five, and 49ers at 11-6. and six. Because if it really were the other way around, and the 49ers were 12-5, and five, and the Eagles were 11-6, and six, the 49ers would have the first seed in the NFC and not have to play in the wild card round. But in my predictions, I had the Eagles having a first-round bye. So the Eagles have to be 12-5, and five, like my spreadsheet said, and I'm going to go 11-6 and six on the 49ers. My two Super Bowl predictions I mentioned were Dolphins over 49ers, which I still stand by. I'm staying with that. But then I also mentioned two other predictions. Bengals over Eagles. And what I wanted to see as a dark horse matchup was Giants versus Jaguars. And if that were to be the case, I'd probably lean with Jacksonville beating the Giants in the Super Bowl, even though I want the Giants to obviously win, but I'd lean with Jacksonville in that case, considering how good Jacksonville's offense is going to be this season. But if both of these teams were to make the playoffs and make the Super Bowl, that would obviously be two unexpected runs to the Super Bowl, but I think Jacksonville and the Giants are two great dark horse teams to keep your eye on as Super Bowl contenders. So now I'm going to transition and talk about the best sleeper rookies in fantasy football that you probably could have got late in your fantasy football drafts, maybe with your last pick, or you could probably get in the waiver wire right now. And I mentioned Rasheed Rice already from the Chiefs. He's a guy that I saw as a great sleeper in fantasy football this season. But there's four other guys I want to mention. Tank Dell, wide receiver for the Houston Texans. Last year for the University of Houston, he had 109 catches for 1,400 yards and 17 touchdowns. A very shifty and quick receiver that I think is capable of making a strong connection with C.J. Stroud early this season. He's a guy that's quick, elusive, and can make big plays. 
something that C.J. Stroud threw to a lot in his college career at Ohio State. So my prediction for Dell's rookie year is 45 catches for 555 yards and four touchdowns. Next up is Jalen Hyatt, who another electric receiver in college football. Last year had 67 catches for 1,267 yards and 15 touchdowns for Tennessee. He's very capable of making big plays. And even though the Giants have a stacked wide receiver room, I still think Hyatt is a guy to keep your eye on. I have him at 37 catches for 550 yards and five touchdowns this season. Another receiver, Puka Nakua, a wide receiver for the Rams, who last year for BYU had 48 catches for 625 yards and five touchdowns. He's six foot one, 210 pounds, can play the slot receiver, has good hands, and now will probably get a good amount of targets and snaps considering Cooper Cup is out for the first four games. I think he's capable of catching eyes in fantasy football and going for, let's say, 55 catches for 625 yards and four touchdowns this season. He's a guy to keep your eye on. Maybe he's a flex player in a week where you have a good amount of guys on bye or if there's a player that's hurt in your lineup and you have to scramble to find somebody on the waiver wire. He's a guy to keep your eye on. The last player we're going to mention is Tazay Spears, who is a running back for the Tennessee Titans, who had a very good year last year for Tulane. 1,581 rushing yards and 19 rushing touchdowns with two touchdown receptions. So 21 total touchdowns last season in his last year in college football. And if Derrick Henry were to get hurt this season, which he's been banged up the last couple seasons at you know certain points of the year, missing a couple games, I think Spears could be an unreal pickup and a great handcuff in fantasy football. I still think he'll get some touches even if Derrick Henry's healthy. And I don't think Derrick Henry is going to be capable of taking 35 carries a game anymore. I think he's going to be more in the 25 touches range rather than the 30 range like he was over the last couple seasons. Part of the reason Derrick Henry's been getting hurt is because he's been having games where he's having 30 to 35 carries. I think he's going to lessen that this season, and I expect Spears to take a little bit of a role as the backup running back. Derrick Henry's a free agent after the season ends, and I think Tennessee's likely to move on from him, and I think Spears could be the featured back for them next season. So at this point this season, he's probably going to get a chance to get some more touches, especially with Derrick Henry not being able to take 35 carries on every given week anymore this season. So now I'm going to transition to talk about my best wide receiver trios. Which offenses have the best wide receiver one, two, and three? I'm going to start off with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think they're going to have the most points on offense in the NFL this season. With Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, and Zay Jones as their top three receivers, and Evan Ingram at tight end, and Travis Etienne at running back, I think that offense is destined to put up big numbers. That's my best wide receiver trio in the NFL. Next up, I have the Miami Dolphins. Jalen Waddle, Tyree Kill are a great one-two punch, and then Braxton Berrios is a wide receiver three isn't really as good as, let's say, Zay Jones in Jacksonville or Tyler Boyd in Cincinnati. But I think that Dolphins offense is going to put up big numbers. I have them as a second-best wide receiver trio, especially because of how good their wide receiver one and two is in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Next up is Cincinnati Bengals. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd have been very productive over the last couple seasons for Cincinnati, and I still see them as a top wide receiver trio in the NFL. I do favor Waddle and Hill over the Bengals one and two, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. But I think it's very close. So they're my top three wide receiver trios in the NFL. So now I'm going to give a look at my week one fantasy football dream lineup with a prediction of who I think is going to be the top scorers at each position in week one of this NFL season. Starting off with the quarterback position, the QB1 in my eyes is going to be Trevor Lawrence versus Indianapolis. I think he's going to have a big game, throw for three touchdowns, and then maybe they run the ball out in the second half. My runner-up is Tua Tagovailoa. I expect that game against the Chargers to be a shootout and a high-scoring game. He's my runner-up. My RB1 is Bijan Robinson versus the Carolina Panthers. I expect a big game from Bijan Robinson in his NFL debut, and I think the Panthers and Falcons game is going to be a close one. I think they're going to rely on Bijan Robinson to bring them down the field a good amount, and he's obviously a great pass catching back as well. That's why I think he's going to be RB1 this week in fantasy football. My RB2 is Rashad White, who's going up against the Vikings, and the Vikings don't really have a great run defense. They don't really have a great defense overall. Last year, they had a negative point differential in the regular season, partly because of how bad their defense was for the majority of the season. And I expect White to have a really good year this year. So I think he's going to start out on a high note. He's my RB2, the second best running back in fantasy football this week. And as I said, these are all predictions. So I'm going to get probably a good amount of these wrong, but I've got a couple of them right. I'll take it as a win. My runner-up, though, at RB2 was Cam Akers. He's going up against the Seahawks, and I expect him to have a big year. And then Derrick Henry was another guy that came to mind. When he is on the field of Tennessee, they do typically run their offense around him, and he does get majority of the touches in the red zone. So I think Derrick Henry is capable of being an RB1 or RB2 in fantasy football this week, so being a top two back in fantasy football. But I want to switch things up. 
My wide receiver one is Tyree Kill versus the Chargers. My wide receiver two is Terry McLaurin versus Arizona. I think that Washington offense is going to score some points today. I think they're going to have a good year on offense. And I expect Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson to have a really good connection with Sam Howell. The tight end here in my dream lineup is Tyler Higby. Going up against the Seahawks with no Cooper Cup, he's going to get a lot of targets from Matt Stafford. My flex is George Pickens versus San Francisco. I was stuck between DJ Moore and George Pickens, but I went with Pickens. He had a great preseason connection with Kenny Pickett, and I expect him to take a big step up this year. The best defense of fantasy football this week in my eyes would be Jacksonville going up against Indianapolis. I was close to saying Commanders versus Arizona, but I went with Jacksonville. And my kicker of the week will be Daniel Carlson, the Raiders kicker going up against Denver. My week one sleeper is who I think will impress this week. Puka Nakua of the Rams. He's a slot receiver rookie out of BYU. He's going to get some targets today with Cooper Cup being out. And especially with Cooper Cup out for the first four weeks, he's a guy to keep your eye on. I think he could impress in week one. Cam Akers finished last season on a very high note. And with Cup out, that Rams offense may have to rely on the run game a little more than they want to. And Cam Akers can't catch out of the backfield. He's a guy that I think could be a sleeper this week in fantasy football. Jahan Dotson, I expect a touchdown score from him today with six catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. I expect him to have a big week. He could be a sleeper that might be on your bench or you're considering for a flex option. But I think he could be a really good player this week in fantasy football. I would start him if you have him. Tank Dell, I expect him to have a really good relationship over the course of the season with C.J. Stroud. It might take some time for them to get a connection. But I've tanked out going for six catches for 65 yards and a touchdown today. Maybe a hot take, but I think they're going to have a really good season together as a connection. And then Darius Slayton. I think he emerges as a Giants wide receiver one this week. And I'm going for six catches for 75 yards and a touchdown. And now to finish off the episode, I'm going to give a rundown of my week one pick'em. Score predictions of every single game. I have the Saints over the Titans, 28-27. I think that'll be a very close game. I have Jacksonville over Indianapolis, 31-13. I have the Vikings over the Bucks, 31-27. I think it's going to be a very close shootout. I have the Commanders over the Cardinals, 27-6. I have the Steelers over the 49ers, 20-17. That's an upset game there, but I think the Steelers will surprise them this week. I have the Bengals over the Browns, 31-26. I think Miles Garrett, being the defensive player of the year prediction in my prediction from Thursday, I think he's going to start out the year with a sack and maybe make some things tough on Joe Burrow, but I think the Bengals are the better team. I think they win that game, 31-26. I have the Falcons over the Panthers, 24-13. I think the Falcons pull away with the touchdown and maybe the last five minutes and win that game by two scores. Next up is a close game that nobody really expects, and I'm going to go with the Ravens over the Texans, 27-23. I think it's going to go down to the wire. I think it's going to be a close one, but I think the Ravens eke out a W. Odell Beckham Jr. is playing in his first game since winning the Super Bowl in 2022 with the Rams. And I think that Ravens offense will be a fun one to watch. With Ahmad Jackson getting back to his MVP ways and adding in weapons like Zay Flowers and Odell Beckham Jr., they're going to score some points. And when Lamar Jackson is on the field, the Ravens are always a good team in the regular season. So I expect them to win this game. But I think the Texans are going to surprise the people this year. And as I said, I think C.J. Stroud is going to do more with that offense than you'd expect. So I expect a close game. I'm going to go 27-23. I do think C.J. Stroud, though, does throw a couple touchdown passes today. Next up is Packers over Bears, 21-17. Eagles over Patriots, 34-23. It is raining in Boston today. It is expected to be raining during the game as well. It could be some yucky weather. But I think the Eagles are the better team. I think they win this game by two scores. Even though there could be a Super Bowl hangover and they do struggle in Week 1 like the Chiefs did against the Lions, I think the Eagles are a better team by far than the Patriots. I have them winning this game 34-23. I have the Seahawks over the Rams in a close game 24-23. I think that'll be a very close battle. And then my game of the week is the Dolphins over the Chargers in an upset win 34-31. I think that'll be a very high-scoring game and a fun one to watch. I think it'll be a shootout going down to the last minute. I think the Dolphins win that one in an upset game. Next up is the Raiders, who I have beating the Broncos in an upset win there 27-23. I have the Jets making an upset win over the Bills on Monday Night Football 34-30. And then in tonight's Sunday night football matchup, I have the Giants having an upset win over the Dallas Cowboys, 27-23. So my last four games, I had upsets in all of them. Dolphins over Chargers, Raiders over Broncos, Jets over Bills, and Giants over Cowboys. The Giants haven't been able to beat the Cowboys with Dak Prescott as their quarterback since 2016. Dak Prescott, since 2017 against the Giants, is 10-0, averaging 31 points per game with 275 passing yards, 22 touchdowns to 5 picks, and a 109.7 passer rating. But I think that changes tonight. I think the Giants beat Dallas at home in Sunday Night Football. Dallas has to travel to MetLife Stadium, and the Giants are playing at home in Week 1. Obviously a highly anticipated game. And the Giants did add to their team in the offseason. They added on both sides of the ball. Their defense added in defensive lineman Boogie Basham from the Bills. Added in linebacker Isaiah Simmons from the Cardinals. 
Also adding in linebacker Bobby Okereke, who was a free agent linebacker from the Indianapolis Colts. And the Giants also added two rookie cornerbacks in the draft. Deontay Banks, a first-round pick, and Trey Hawkins. Two guys that are going to start in the Giants' defensive backfield in tonight's game. The Giants' defense is going to be more improved this year than they were last. I see them making a step up this year and being a better defense, especially scoring-wise. I think they're going to have a better pass rush this year as well. And even though last year they did have a good pass rush and definitely was more improved than a couple of years ago in the last year with Joe Judge, obviously with Wink Martindale, his strategy is to put pressure on the quarterback and send guys and blitz a ton, and it worked a lot of the time for the Giants. I think they're going to be more improved this year, and I expect the Giants to win tonight's game 27-23. As for Daniel Jones, he's played well in NFC East games over his career. Even though he's 8-10-1 in 19 games in the regular season, he has 19 touchdowns and 8 picks with 733 rushing yards and 3 rushing touchdowns. Against Dallas in his career, he has struggled. 1-6 with 1,200 passing yards, 4 touchdowns and 3 picks. But tonight, my prediction is this. 25-34 passing for 285 passing yards, 2 passing touchdowns, and 7 rushes for 35 yards. With a touchdown pass to Darius Slayton and a touchdown pass to Daniel Bellinger. The Cowboys in the offseason added in Brandon Cooks to their offense, and they did get rid of Ezekiel Elliott. Now that lead back is Tony Pollard, who's now their full-time starting running back. They still have Micah Parsons on defense, who's one of the best defensive players in the NFL. Still have a good pass rusher, Demarcus Lawrence, who always gives the Giants trouble. So the Giants have to find a way to contain those two guys. Contain Parsons and Lawrence. Parsons will line up with Andrew Thomas, who's one of the best left tackles in the NFL. And the last time these two guys matched up, Andrew Thomas was battling the flu. And even though Parsons had the better game than Thomas in that one, Thomas isn't going to be sick in tonight's game. He's healthy and ready to go. I expect him to contain Micah Parsons. And then on the other side, it'll be Demarcus Lawrence going up against Evan Neal, who the Giants need to take a step up this year. I expect Evan Neal to take a step up for that Giants offensive line and have a growth year like Andrew Thomas did a couple years ago. Andrew Thomas struggled his rookie year, then year two got better, and then year three was an all-pro tackle in the NFL. I expect Evan Neal to take a step up this season for the Giants. Anyways, that will conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it, and I will see you guys in the next episode. I'm going to record a season preview on the Giants in just a few minutes, so stay tuned for that. Thank you guys for listening. Much appreciated, as always, and enjoy today's week one slate of the NFL season.